Well, um, if you didn't know, I just got off a plane yesterday, 2 o'clock. I had an awesome time in Cambodia with a good mate of mine and caught up with uh, some of the children and the leaders that I met last time I was there and just had a phenomenal time. It was very hot, very sticky. <laughs> uh, it's one of those places you go where you wear shorts and short sleeve shirts and in about an hour they've clung to you, you're sweating, the kids are all over you so they add their body heat and it's just like, you know, when you, you get home and you just want to have a shower and you basically peel everything off and just sit in the shower for about an hour and just take in what God is doing. Just uh, Sinai and Samalai doing phenomenal work over there. And personally, every time I go, I just feel a stronger connection uh, with him and her and what they're doing. And as I shared this morning, it didn't feel like I was preaching to strangers. felt like I was preaching to brothers and sisters, although they were a bit more browner than I was, and I couldn't speak their language uh, per se. We communicated in the spirit, and it's just a phenomenal time. And, um, you know, just the connections. There's one guy particularly who uh, he's been here the last three times. Every time he comes up, he just gives me a big hug. And, uh, you know, Pastor Greg, thank you for coming back. And so it was just an amazing time. So as we go forward and continue to go twice a year, just start uh, thinking about that, start praying into that, because there's nothing like seeing it, nothing like smelling it, nothing like getting it under your fingernails to wake us up a little bit out of the... Uh, the the beautiful country that we live in. You know, it's like the, these people take nothing for granted. Um, on one aspect, they have nothing. On, on the other aspect, they have everything. And the spirit that's within them and the hunger that's within them is phenomenal. And so we had a while of a time. Um, and so um, just, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And looking forward to going back. Um, I'm going to change my message. And so right there, God just spoke to me, and uh, so here we go. Um, so I want you to come with me firstly to uh, Luke 16:16, 16, 16, and then we're going to dive somewhere else into Matthew. Luke 16, verse 16. How many people know that the kingdom of God is advancing? Terry, um, the PowerPoint's not going to work because this is about all I'm preaching on and then <laughs> you'll get lost, so you can probably shut it down. Luke 16, 16, the kingdom of God is advancing. It's moving forward. The Bible says that we are going from glory to glory, and I've shared this before. Now, that is not so much an external thing as much as it's an internal thing. And so we've heard tonight how the kingdom physically is coming as, as people are stepping out uh, into this thing called a treasure hunt. I love the name of that. I don't know what that's about, but it sounds good. And, um, and moving and allowing God, hearing the voice of God and stepping out into that. But uh, the kingdom of God also is coming and advancing from within. It's a dual process. It's not one or the other. It's both and more. And the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is advancing rapidly. Jesus came and he preached the kingdom. You see, Paul, he preaches Jesus and the kingdom. So they are actually two messages integrated into one. It starts with Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, but then it moves into the kingdom of God message. And we need to understand what that message is so we can get in the flow and the river of it, not be on the outside of it watching it go past. Does that make sense? God wants us in the river, on a tube, flowing down the current, the kingdom current, engaging with it. And firstly, it's an inward-outward expression. And uh, listen to what Luke 16, 16 says. It says, The law 
and the prophets were proclaimed until John. So he's talking about John the Baptist. So the law and the prophets were taught and proclaimed until this man called John the Baptist came along who was going to lay the pathway for Christ. He was a voice in the wilderness proclaiming the kingdom, proclaiming Christ and the kingdom. Many people didn't understand that. Many people actually rejected John's message. The Pharisees, the leaders of the day, actually rejected his message. Leaders struggle the most with change because they have the most invested. The Pharisees struggled the most. They actually said, who's this guy out in the wilderness? Because he's preaching this funny message. And a lot of the people are going towards it, but we're not. But what we are going to do is we're going to send the contingent, and the contingent are going to go out and find out. And they'll come back and relay the message to us. Jesus was, sorry, John was preaching this kingdom. Jesus is coming and he's bringing with him his kingdom. The kingdom which is not, kingdom of God is not a place. It's not a geographical place or location. It's the rulership, the dominion of the king of kings. And wherever he is, the kingdom exists. And we need to understand this if we're going to enter into fully. And then it says, uh, until John, since that time, the gospel of the kingdom has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. It's fascinating, isn't it? Forcing a healing on somebody? No. Everyone is forcing everyone. Who's everyone? Everyone. And forcing their way into the kingdom. So what does that word forceful mean? Does it mean in our own strength we're trying to force and squeeze ourselves through something? In my own strength, in my own gifting, I'm going to make this thing happen? It's on me to do this? No. So what does the word forcing mean? I believe it just means a pursuit, an active pursuit of him and his ways. And as we actively pursue him and his ways, we enter into this thing called the kingdom. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says to see the kingdom. We're talking in the spirit now. To see it, you must be born again. You must be born of spirit. But to actually enter into it, you need to be born of water and the Spirit. What does he mean? Well, the word, it's just a symbolic sign of baptism. What is baptism symbol of? Obedience. So the more I obey, the more I allow Jesus to define me from the inside out, the more I will enter into this kingdom reality the more my heart will go from glory to glory to glory because the more I obey him, the less of me. That's why John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. As that happens, God in me comes. The kingdom comes. The one of the kingdom in me comes out of me. That's why obedience is so important. It's actually easy to give your life to Christ and pray a prayer and acknowledge him. It's another thing to make him Lord. Very easy to say, yes, I am, I believe, and then right now I'm going to live for me. 
But it says here, everyone is entering into it. Meaning, everybody is allowing the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings to define what they look like. Even within the giftings and strengths that God has given us. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. So let's go have a look at that. That's Matthew 11. 11 verses... I think it's 12, isn't it? Matthew 11. No, you're right. Hold on. Thank you. Matthew 11, 28. Matthew 11, verses 28. Are we all there on our iPhones, iPads? I reckon this thing will be a... I love this thing because you can write in it. I know you can write in your iPads and all that sort of stuff these days, but imagine if it crashed. <laughs> Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. What does that even mean? There's such depth in the scripture. Come to me. Come to me. Don't just acknowledge me one day, but come to me. Come and be with me. Come and spend time with me. Come and let me show you how I operate and the things that I have for you. Come to me and sit at my feet. We're so busy today. Busy doing. We're not busy being. It's easy to do. It's another thing to be and become. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. All you who are weary and heavy laden, all of you that feel like you're carrying a sack of spuds on your back, and instead of the spuds getting emptied, someone's filling them up and filling them up and filling them up. And it's draining and you're becoming wearier and wearier and you're tired and I'm so busy and I'm tired and I can't sleep. Come to me, all those people like that, and I will give you rest. How many people know rest is actually an active pursuit of him? Rest isn't go and lay your head down and have a sleep and physically rest. He's talking about a spirit rest. He's talking about resting in Him. Finding rest in Him. The more you know Him, the more you rest. The more you come to Him, the more you will rest in Him. They are linked together. That's why before that passage, Jesus is talking about, if you go look at Matthew 11.25, it says, come to me. And he talks about, he says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And to anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Rest is found in revelation. And you only get revelation as you go to the Son. Come to me and I will give you rest. How many of us could do with some more rest. 
and I don't mean a nice sleep. I don't mean going to Fiji on a holiday for two weeks because you can do all that and still have no rest. Do you know why? Because the rest is within. Just because you go and lay your head down for two weeks, sun your body, come back nice brown, doesn't mean you're restful at all. In fact, it can make it worse. A good buddy of mine who runs probably one of the biggest churches in, in, in Auckland had to go on a sabbatical for three months. He said to me, Greg, I got to 11 weeks and I still hadn't, didn't have any rest. In fact, I thought I might be throwing it all away because I can't find any rest anymore. I'm anxious. I'm worried. This thing has got so big. But the Bible says, come to me and I'll give you rest. God doesn't want us running around with all these heavy sacks on our back, building his church. Because he builds it. No one else but him. He says, Greg, run in your lane. This is what I have mapped out for you. And there's a man in Mark who knew this. He says, the kingdom of God is like a man who got up, he picked up some seed, he threw it out into the field, he then went, Going to have a sleep, goes and has a sleep, gets up, oh, there's some crops. I wonder how that happened. says he does not know. It's a pretty cool trick, isn't it? And then it says, and then the soil produced a crop because the soil was fertile. Jesus is sleeping in a, on a, uh, in a boat on a cushion. He's physically resting, but he's resting and the disciples who've walked with him for, I don't know how long now, let's say a year, that have seen him do all this stuff, have fed the 5,000 and all that, freak out and panic. He gets up. And I'm going to be a bit teed off. Having a nice sleep. I dream in Liverpool won the championship. You've woken me up. What for? Because the winds and the waves and they're all over the place. We're freaking out and we're panicking. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He just gets up and he says, be still. Right, leave me alone, I'm going back to sleep. There's a greater rest that God wants us to come into, and it's right here. You can physically sleep and rest and have no rest. Rest, guys, is an active pursuit of him. You find him, you find rest. You find him, you find hope. You find him, you find joy. You find him, you find life. You find him, you find an overcoming spirit. It's everything is contained in him, in the seed form. That's why there was power in the seed that the man threw out. It's a beautiful lesson for leaders today in the church. It's a beautiful example of how we are, I am, to live my life. Not being burdened by this thing called the church, by people's worries or concern or thinking, man, are they going to show up this week? If I don't put on the flash music and the lights and all the stuff, are they going to turn up? Well, I hope you do. I hope you do if we never have music. I hope you do if we never do a whole lot of things we maybe do. You'd still come. Why? Because God's giving you rest. God in you is growing you. And it's not dependent on anything else but him. See, what do you hang your hat on? If you don't hang your hat on him, guess what? You're not restful. Everything else you're hanging your hat on can move, which means it can be taken away. But when you hang your hat on him, 
which is the rock. And Paul said, what did Paul say? Be careful on the foundation in which you build. I'm building on Christ. He said, I'm a wise master builder. I've got the MB certificate right on my chest. I build houses well. No leaky syndrome in this place. Maybe in some of the other guys that are talking, but not here. He says, but be careful how you build on what you now add. And it's very easy in this world today to find yourself in an environment where it's so go, 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 and there is no rest. A depth of rest that's in him. Come to me, all who are weary in heaven, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Who knows what that means? How many people know what a yoke is? A yoke is something I've just seen because I've been in Cambodia. They have these massive cows. And they just, yeah, they're like an ox. They walk freely on the side of the road, like the highway. They're walking along, no one in sight, you know, chewing some grass. And we happen to see two of them with a yoke binding them together, pulling this cart. This yoke keeping them together, keeping this force. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, he says. Take my teachings upon you. Take my ways. This morning I preached, and I preached on this message. I said, um, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, Mollenberg bread, which is beautiful, is not, a lo- not enough to fill your whole thing that's going... <laughs> You can't live on Mollenberg bread. You can't live on natural resource. It's not enough because you're wired. You have this spirit, this kingdom spirit within that needs to be fed. Take my teachings upon you and you're going to find rest for your souls. Come to me. See, to come to him means you've got to be vulnerable. I don't know about you guys, I'm not that good at being vulnerable. Because to be vulnerable vulnerable means I can get hurt. To be vulnerable means I've got to expose something. To be vulnerable means I may have to come into the light. Means I may have to come from the back, hiding in the dark corner over there, to the front or to the middle. Means I have to come out of myself and maybe expose myself and who I really am and take off a mask to others. But it's where life is. It's where the power is to overcome. It's where the Holy Spirit genuinely, truly comes and works with you. This is about a spirit-to-spirit relationship. It's not about a set of rules. It's not about even reading a book. It's not about even singing songs. It's about knowing a person. The truth will set you free. The truth that sets you free is a person. Jesus didn't say, come to me and sing songs. He didn't say, come to me and write a whole lot of stuff. He said, come to me and I'm going to give you rest. Because if you come to me and you commune with me, 
There's an interaction of spirit to spirit and revelation starts to come. And there's a freedom that starts to come as you allow my teachings, hear me, allow my teachings, make an active choice of your will and allow that, die to you, more of me, and you'll be a transaction of the spirit to spirit and you will actually have a tangible sense of joy. We had a discussion at our staff meeting and we're talking and I asked the question, is joy and happiness the same thing? Is joy and happiness the same thing? No, they're not. Joy is a gift of the Spirit. You can go through the worst time and have joy because it's not dependent on circumstance. It's not dependent on situations. I remember meeting a couple in Palmerston North and they just lost their son. He was horribly run over on Pioneer Highway, up-and-coming cyclist. And the joy, I wasn't even a Christian, the joy these people had. It only been two days. The joy, the tangible joy, the lightness. I would have thought they would have been heavy wearing and burdened and all this because funeral coming out. They were celebrating their son's life. It was incredible. Peace is tangible. Come to me and I'll give you the substance that actually feeds you, that you can feel here. The kingdom is within. The kingdom is advancing. As you, we let go of us, depend on him, get vulnerable on him, come to him, willfully submit ourselves to him and everything that's part of that, his rulership, his dominion, and give over the throne of our own life and say, Jesus, sit on my throne. That's why Jesus says, deny yourself. We are all infected, guys, with self. And if you don't make an active choice of your will, you will rule you. You will determine what's best for you. But God wants to play that role. Jesus said, I will build my people and the gates of hell will not prevail, which means I'm building people that are active, one, and actually are on a pursuit of moving forward, too. And they are being built inwardly, which causes them to have an external motion and movement and they have substance and power and life, and other people actually see it because it's tangible. Does that make sense? And it's an offensive, it's not a defensive person. It's not someone running around going, oh, well, it's someone. Who plays basketball? It's offensive. When a team is offensive, it's exciting, isn't it? And the church is to be offensive, not defensive. But offensive, pushing back, because the kingdom, joy, hope, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, power. Paul said, I'm not a man of flash words, but what I have, I have power. Because the God in me, what did he say in Galatians 2.20? I've died. I've submitted myself to God. I've dealt with that. That's not an issue. Now, it, you know, hear what I'm saying? It's a sort of process. But come to me and I'll give you rest. You'll find rest in me. And so I just tell people, you know, it's almost like that. Once again, hear what I'm saying. I said this this morning, but with worry. 
So often we can, you know, oh, I'm worried. Now this is right, okay? So, so it's, it's both the more again. Okay, I've got to go find some scriptures on worry, and I've got to declare the word over my life about worry. Spirit, you give me a spirit of, of uh, you give me a spirit of fear, but a sound mind, power, and discipline. And that's cool, and that's good. Okay, so do that. At the same time, go, Father, show me more of you. Show me more of you. God, I want a revelation of you within me. I want to know you from within. Holy Spirit, I'm asking, I'm desiring, I'm pursuing love. I'm pursuing you with everything I have. It's an active place of rest. And I want you to define me from the inside. Be careful how you build because it's one man's building on dodgy foundations and one man's building on solid brick pillar foundations. So in times of testing and trial, the building stands. And it speaks to the waters. It speaks to the wave. This is the people God wants us to be. He wants us to speak to the problems that we see. He wants us to bring hope into people's lives that have no hope. But you can't give what you don't have. doesn't make any sense. God wants a river of living water flowing out of the church. Not a trickle. A river. Come to me, I will give you rest. The scribe said, out of all the teachings, which is the greatest? He said, let me simplify it, there's only two. Love me, love others. But there were 613 Levitical laws. Which one? I just told you. Love me, love others. You come to me, I'll give you rest. If you love me, we know what that word means, we've been looking at that, the binding, the combine of one, you'll find something in me. Thank you, Lord. I think it's way easier to have a relationship with some rules. It's way easier to, God, define it all for me, because then it becomes easy. Relationship and freedom is such a scary thing, because it requires responsibility. It requires me to, to pursue something. It requires me. It's not just, okay, well, here's the box, and I tick the box, and so I've got it all down pat. It's the easy thing to do, but it doesn't bring life. It doesn't bring joy. I was sharing this with Sinai, and we were talking about some of the interesting technicalities within inside Christianity. I just need to blow my nose. And we were talking about alcohol. Excuse me. And we were talking about, wow, you know, well, this whole thing called alcohol. What's, do, you, uh, do people drink? Do they not drink? And we're having this discussion around, you know, well, you've got to be careful that you don't um, influence another brother to stumble and all those things. And I said, but at the end of the day, Jesus came to bring me life and he came to bring me freedom. Freedom of choice where I am, this was a bottle of beer. I like Heineken. and In fact, actually, you know what? I found a bottle of beer in Cambodia called The Kingdom. I've got it up in my office. I would have had it here, but he changed it on me. So here we go. I thought, I've got to get a picture of that for Alistair. (laughs) 
<laughs> you get twice within you because when you drink the beer, it releases kingdom. It's a lovely drop too. But imagine this lovely, you know, fine water, infinity water, was a bottle of kingdom, a bottle of Heineken. Now, I want you to picture, I'm not going to cause anyone to stumble, okay? No, we've had that discussion and we're all good. Am I free to choose this because I want to choose it either way? Am I free to choose not to have it because I'm free? Not because of fear of what you might think or others might think or because man's made a standard on me or because, you know what, the other person that did it, they fell over and abused themselves and, oh, man. And so I'm not in, I'm not in freedom, I'm in bondage. Or am I free, so am I free to choose to have it or not? God wants to bring me to the ultimate place of freedom where I go, you know what, I don't need to have that. In fact, I don't want to have it. And the reason I don't want to have it is because God, whatever, I might love you and I, you saying no. Or yeah, I actually do have it and he's fine with it. You see, if the church wants to mess with people's freedom to do alcohol and all these things, all these bits we try and put, you know what you do? You mess with someone's ability to find him. You limit their ability to find him because you're trying. Sometimes I think we're more worried about living in fear than faith. And we've got to have this sublime confidence that God is in control of everything. Now, I understand there's, 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 there's areas where people get into trouble and all those things. It's all part of the makeup. But as soon as I start playing God and going, you know what, Simon, you can't have a beer because if you're going to be on this leadership, you can't do it because that's the standard of the law we have. I start playing God. Now he starts, Simon starts living by that, by law, not by love. So he obeys out of the law and not out of relationship. So what happens? I'll tell you what happens. And this is what I've seen 100% of the time. Okay? Simon starts to live like this for a year out of his own will. His willpower. His strength. I'm not going to drink beer. I'm not going to drink beer. It's even harder because he's English. I'm not going to drink beer. I'm not going to drink beer. It's part of the culture there. We're not going to drink beer. My will, my strength, my strength. I'm not going to drink beer. Greg told me I can't. We're going to be on staff. We're going to be with all these other people. I'm responding to it. not going to do it. And he does that for a year out of his own willpower. And in a moment in time, and I shared this this morning about the bread uh, and the stones. So go have a listen to the message. He's in a moment of weakness. Something happens. <laughs> yes, his team wins the champion. That'll never happen. <laughs> and in a moment of weakness or vulnerability, the bear's there and he goes, no one's looking. And that might lead to one, two, three, four, I don't know. And before long, Simon's just drifted off. Why? Because it was never in him in the first place. He was never responding from love. It was law. And it's much easier to have a relationship with a set of rules and a law than it is for a person because freedom is scary. And I want to just read you um, this beautiful story. You may have heard this before, but I just think this story really articulates what I'm talking about. Once upon a time, there was a very large bear who lived in a cage in a zoo. He had lived there from the time that he was very, a very small bear, but now his cage was not big enough for him and he could only walk about the length of his own body in each direction. 
Despite this, each day the bear would walk up and down his cage, back and forth, step by step. As you would no doubt guess, he had come to know his cage very well, and had even worn tracks into the floor from the years of pacing back and forth. And so each day he continued to walk in one direction, and then, there, and then when there was nowhere else to go, he would turn and walk in the other direction. Boring, just doing this the whole day. One day, the management of the zoo decided that the bear needed a bigger space to live in. So plans were completed and construction started on a bigger cage. It would have a tree for him to climb and scratch against, real grass for him to roll on, a small swimming pool, a cave to sleep in, and one day soon, maybe even another bear to play with and keep him company. After several months of construction, the bear's home was now finished. So it came time for the official opening so the bear could enjoy his new and beautiful big living area. With the bear in his old cage, it was lifted high into the air and lowered slowly onto the grass in his new home. The bear paced back and forth, back and forth in his old cage, no doubt wondering what was going to happen. A small ceremony was held in the front for all those who were in attendance, and then the cage door was opened. After a few minutes, the bear stopped pacing back and forth and very reluctantly stepped out of the cage where he had spent the majority of his life. As he stood there in his new surroundings, his very small and old cage was slowly lifted out of his new home. So there he stood on the fresh green grass with, tree to, with a tree to climb, a swimming hole and a big cave to sleep in. The crowd who had gathered for the opening ceremony watched on in anticipation. After a few minutes, the bear began pacing back and forth again, step by step, in an area no bigger than his old cage, just as he had done his whole life. You know, God wants to bring us into so much freedom, it's scary. And sometimes it's easier to just do the good thing, the right thing, but you can do the right thing and the good thing and still be in bondage. You can live by the laws, you can do all the things, you can tick the boxes, you can be a good little Christian boy or girl and still be in bondage. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest which is in. And I'll just finish this and we'll wrap it up. Maybe have the music teams back, that'd be cool. He says, take my yoke, my teaching upon you, my ways, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your emotions. You will find rest in your mind. You will find rest in your will. When we submit our will, it's the most incredible, powerful thing God has given us all, is our will. And when it's defined and aligned to Him, freedom and life come. But when it's not, frustration, burdens, weights, because I'm trying to do this thing in my own strength. And we can't. We can't. It's in Him. For my yoke, once again, my teachings, my ways, they are easy, and my burden is light. You see, we can either obey because we have to, or we obey because we want to. One is filled with law. I have to. Are you here tonight because you have to? Do you tithe tonight because you have to? 
Do you go to a life group because you have to? Do you read the Bible because Simon, if you're in his life group, he tells you you should read the Word? Do you have to, have to, have to? Or do you do because you want to? Come to me, spend time with me, and I'll change your heart because I'm humble of heart. And I'll put my heart in you. And you'll get my teaching and my ways and over time they'll form themselves in you. We are to experience him, his ways and his kingdom. It's not just some theory. We've tried to make it theory. We've tried to intellectualize this thing called Christianity. Now hear my heart. I'm not against some of the Bible colleges and all that stuff, but if people aren't coming out in power, if people aren't coming out with life, if people aren't coming out different, then what's the point? I want to experience, come to me. It's no different that I can experience my children. I didn't marry Danielle that I could just hang around with her or just get her to do a whole lot of things for me. She doesn't do that anyway. (laughs) I married her because I love her. I married her because I want to be with her. The doing is an outworking of our being. I didn't have children. We didn't have children so they could do stuff. <laughs> you do it so well, Madeline. Can you do it better next time? I, we had children to commune together. I wanted to have them. We wanted to have them together. And it's no different. Sometimes we over-super-spiritualize it all and you know what, if you can quote every scripture in the book, you're spiritual and come to me. So let's just have some time. If you need to come to the front, if you just want to be where you are, if you want to go to the back, if you want to go upstairs, if you want to lay on your face, let's just have some time and just come to him, however you want to do that. If you are carrying some stuff tonight, can I encourage you to just confess it, ask him to forgive you, get up straight away like that. None of this, oh God, oh God, it's like, you know, three weeks, I'm still, God doesn't work like that. Repent, you come straight back into glory. Do it with your heart, bang. It's an instant second. That's what he paid for at the cross. That's called grace, guys. And leave here, leaving your sack of spuds, wherever. And then this week, just continue to come to him. Ask him to show you things that you do not yet know. Fill me with truth. And he'll give you rest. It's a promise. God performs on his word. He doesn't dangle a carrot out and go, He does have his timing. You've got to be aware of his timing. And I'll leave you with this story. A man came who was hungry and his kids were hungry. They hadn't eaten for a while. It was late at night. And he knocked on his mate's door. Midnight. His mate was asleep. Come and let me in. I need some food for me and my children. No, go away. I'm sleeping. It's late. I'm not going anywhere until you give me some food for me and my children. Go away. It's late. My kids are in bed. I'm tucked up, but it's nice. I'm not going anywhere until you give me what I'm after. And as we know, you follow that story along. For those that want more of the Holy Spirit, there is no limit.